0: Continue with team week. It's one o'clock on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 7, WFNZ, ECU, the subject of discussion this entire week as we launch what could be a tradition, Wes. If it goes well, this is exactly what we want to do, at least. We talked about the recent history of ECU success and some of their records they've posted the last couple of years. We talked a little bit about the offense on Tuesday. We'll focus defensively today, but that's coming up a little bit later on. We're actually going to have former ECU coach Steve Logan join us in just a moment, but uh, ECU, man, it's been fun. What do you think about Team Week so far as we launch
1: I've it? been enjoying it, man. Just hearing that fight song right there is getting me ready for fall. I
0: ready to go oh man it's been a lot of fun all right let's go ahead and go to the body works plus guest hotline right now welcome former east carolina head football coach steve logan here on weston walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz steve thanks so much for the time how are you I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh, We're doing well. We really appreciate the time. I want to reminisce on some of your coaching days in Greenville. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But I did want to focus on this upcoming team, Coach, because you talk about Mike Houston heading into his fifth year. He's done an excellent job the last couple of seasons, but this is truly the first year we'll see him have to reload on talent. Of course, you lose quarterback Ayler, some of the other skill positions there. Are you giving Houston the benefit of the doubt when you look at this roster and just how hard it is to reload and keep a winning program even when some of your recruiting classes that hit all at the same time are out the door?
2: Well, I'll tell you that you touched on uh, the biggest deal about the whole conversation. It's the quarterback, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I used to talk to um, people, you know, during my time at East Carolina, I I would tell them, you know, if, if, you can you can track the success, the dips and the lows and the highs and the lows. You can track all of that simply by pointing to the quarterback. And any time that I was breaking in a new quarterback, uh, let's say Jeff Blake, and trying to get him up and running in our system, we were a five- and six-football team. And then when they really, really got it and matured, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, you're eleven and one. Well, Jeff Blake leaves, and here comes a young man named Mark Crandall. And of course, he broke his leg, you know his first year, but you know his second year, we he's seven and four, and then he matures and really begins to get it. And we're eight and three and nine and two, or whatever it was. He leaves, and here comes a David Garrard. Well, guess what? We're six and five or five and six, something like that. And then it's uh, win eight. And then, you know, his senior year and junior senior year, we win nine. And you know, it, you can track it right there. It is. And the rest of those pieces to the puzzle are somewhat manageable. They really are. Uh, that, it, the way that I ran my program, I'm just speaking from, from my, you know, journey.
0: Well, yeah, so go ahead. That, coach.
2: Sorry. That's, that, that's what you're looking at with coach Houston. And, uh, you know, I've met Mike one time. I don't go back. I've been back to Greenville maybe once, maybe twice uh, in twenty years. so uh, but I did meet Mike briefly and uh, but from a distance, and I'm not critiquing i'm not I'm not in the media anymore at all. I'm not analyzing games, any of that stuff. But from a distance, he looks like he's got the right idea how to handle East Carolina, which is a guerrilla warfare. Journey. It's not normal. It's not, you know, you're not a Power Five. You're not, you don't have a brand name. You, you know, it is a true guerrilla warfare endeavor. And he, when you look at his resume, every place he's been, you know, it's kind of a bootstrap deal. He starts out two and nine, five, six, and all of a sudden he's seven, four, and eight and three, whatever. He's done that every place he's been, and and he's kind of done that again at East Carolina. So if he gets a quarterback up and running pretty quick, they'll be pretty competitive pretty quick. It's kind of, to me, it's that kind of simple.
0: Well, and Coach, you talk about guerrilla warfare. That's kind of the, (laughs) that's the language you describe trying to bring up this ECU football program. You went into some of the reasons. Do you think it's a little different compared to the other group of five schools out there? Why do you describe it so much that way?
2: Well, I mean, um, how old are you guys? That's a quick question.
0: Um, Wes is the old man of the group. He's 40, <laughs> I'm 30, okay. and then our producer is 26.
2: Okay, well, you guys don't know what transpired. You you might be conscious of it, but you don't really know what transpired in the 90s. Uh, when I was head coaching at East Carolina, we had access to good football players. In 1998, uh, the powers that be came along and created a monster called the BCS, the Bowl Championship Series, <laughs> which, which basically what that did, it told all the recruits, uh, here are the teams that are in the BCS, therefore they have a chance to win a national championship. Here's all the teams that are not in the BCS. Well, we were not in, allowed into that group, along with Southern Mississippi and teams that were really, really good back in the day, okay? And so that began to delineate and separate recruiting. It layered the recruiting. And suddenly I didn't have access to the same players that I had had access to from 1989 up until 1998. And so that's when the the big separation took place and the Power Five came to be. And East Carolina has never been one of those, you know, programs. So the recruiting, your recruiting pool... You can just imagine what that did to the recruiting. It, you know, it just changed everything. And you don't have access to the same players. So, you know, that, that's why you know when I say even back then, it was guerrilla warfare from the standpoint of uh, I couldn't do anything normal. I had to really have a, a an incredible weight, strength, and conditioning program. I had to take players. You know, I could give you a hundred examples. I'll give you a name that won't mean anything to you. A young man named Lamont Burns from Winston-Salem High School. I went out, I drove out one night and watched Lamont Burns run down for a kickoff for his high school football team. That's all he did. He ran down for the kickoff. He made a tackle. He went back and sat on the bench for the rest of the game unless it was a kickoff. And after the game, I just went, I said, said, why are you not playing? I I, I talked to him right on the field. And he said, well, the coach and I have some, you know, he had some story. But Lamont was 6'5 and weighed about 215 pounds. Well, and he could run, really run. So I said, you know, he wasn't playing the game. But I gave him a full scholarship, brought him to East Carolina put him in the weight room, shut the door, shoved food underneath the door to him for a year. We didn't even let him out. And suddenly he weighs 260. Okay, now he weighs 260. Well, I brought him out as a red shirt freshman, put him at tight end. He couldn't catch a cold if he was naked in the Klondike. Well, he can't play tight end. Okay, well, what can he play? Well, I don't know. Put him on D. Well, he couldn't really separate off of a block. All right, now he's a red shirt junior. All right, what are you going to do with this guy? Well, we finally put him at offensive guard. And Lamont Burns blocked everybody in front of him for the next two years and played three years for the New York Jets. And so, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, UNC wasn't going to take Lamont Burns. Neither was North Carolina State or South Carolina or Clemson or any of the people who had to play. But I could develop him into somebody that could certainly go beat those guys with, you know, in the right moment. And we did, so that that's the guerrilla warfare I'm talking about. I mean, we took players. I didn't even care what position they played in high school. I just took them if I thought they were really good athletes and they were really bright young men that had a high motor. And we would bring them into the program, and the high school tight end became a linebacker, and the high school linebacker became a running back, and. I had three three of the very best linebackers I had that I took down to Miami and beat the devil out of Miami with. All three of those linebackers mm. were 6'2", 240. All three of them were the high school fullback for their football team that nobody recruited. But they were absolutely fantastic collegiate linebackers. So, you know, that's, the, that's an active description of guerrilla warfare. That's, that's how you have to do it.
1: Coach, West Bryan here, and so I remember one recruiting victory that you did get, and I don't know if you uh, remember me that well, but I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit uh, <laughs> back in the day. So I definitely said that uh, I was going to mention that to you and see if you uh, remembered me or remembered us because I know you remembered my quarterback.
0: Yeah, Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually (laughs) went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant out of Vance High there, Coach? I do remember that, and of course, and that's what I'm speaking
2: to when Florida comes along. I'm not going to get that football
0: player. Yeah, Coach, you were right about that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: And and you know what? If, If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I
1: think he was not very bright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was point. cool. They, they asked me about you when we were talking about it, uh, planning the show, and I told them how I remembered meeting you on our recruiting visit up there uh, to East Carolina and coming up there to Greenville. So it is interesting, the recruiting battles that you talk about and some of the nuanced things that kids like, and it's a whole different uh, ball game there. And I'm glad that you spoke on just how tough it is to recruit Uh, was so much competition, and now you add NIL and uh, all of these things into it. So one recruiting win that East Carolina was able to get was their quarterback, Mason Garcia, the 6'5", 242, and he was a four-star kid, so they were really able to get this guy, we talked about him yesterday, one of the highest-rated recruits to come to a group of five school ever. So what do you think about him and his potential and what he could do for East Carolina?
2: Well... Uh, again, I, I, he has he's been on the field so very 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 little that no one knows, and I would venture to say even uh, the coaching staff at East Carolina doesn't know what they're going to get until you go out and you know the live bullets are firing. You know you you played college football. You don't know what's going to happen until I mean practice is practice, games are games, and they're different. But uh, you know I don't know that they know what they've got on their hands. Um, hopefully he'll develop and become what you just described but we all know that, that can go a lot of different directions i mean i've had you know that star system was another guerrilla warfare deal and i'll i'll educate you a little bit about the star system okay okay let's say uh, you're a three-star quarterback and you you've committed to east carolina all right well, that's, that's a good deal. Here we go. And out of nowhere, suddenly, uh, after your commitment, the recruiting process goes on. And now here comes Clemson, UNC, and um, Oklahoma. And they offer you. Do you know how the star system works now?
1: Yeah, you're going to get another star based off who's recruiting you because we had a cornerback on our team that was just like that, never had gotten any accolades up until his senior year, and then it's like, oh, they're recruiting you, they offered you, okay, we will too, and then it builds and builds. So go ahead and continue
2: on. Well, you just, you just defined and answered the presentation that I put forth. <laughs> a three-star three means nothing. A four-star means nothing. It, it doesn't speak to the talent level. It speaks to who's recruiting you. Now you could say, well, if they're recruiting, him, he must be really good. Well, there's some truth in that, mm-hmm. but it's not always true. And, and again, I would go back, let's say, to Lamont Burns, who was no stars, but you, but he's, but you can develop it. You can develop, yeah. you know, players. And uh, so again, the star system was kind of a, a deal that. Uh, I don't know. It it irritated me, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was fair to the player, but there were a lot of recruiting uh, magazines that made millions of dollars selling that stuff. I know that.
1: Yeah, Coach, so we'll get you out of here with this last question. What where, where do you see East Carolina today? We just talked about all of the recruiting uh, kind of things that are in front of them that could hinder them, and now, like I said, you add at NIL and all of those things. Where do you see uh, the East Carolina program in the landscape of things today and still having to compete with the Carolinas, the NC States, and Clemsons?
2: Well, I mean, the NIL thing, now this, you know, it used to be a facility, arms race, right? You'd go to Florida and you saw, oh my God, they've got a a dressing room and a weight room that's unbelievable and it's way better than East Carolina. Therefore, I want to go to Florida. Well, all of a sudden the NIL thing is changing because let's say you were coming out of high school right now. And let's say I was a coach from East Carolina. And I said to you, hey, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars a year come play for East Carolina and Florida said, we're going to give you $20,000. Well, you'd go, I don't care what the weight room looks like at East Carolina. I'm going to East Carolina. Yeah. So all of a sudden the NIL is going to Trump the, uh, the, the facilities. But guess what? The bad news is East Carolina doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars and they're never, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to, once again, they're not going to be able to compete in the NIL arena I mean, I saw something the other day, if you sign a national letter of intent with the University of Texas, and I'm not talking about starting, playing, becoming a starter, no, you get $50,000 straight up. Well, East Carolina can't do that. I don't know, you know, if North Carolina, North Carolina State, they could do it. I don't know if they are doing it. But there's going to be another giant separation, infiltrate the recruiting process when People are doing things like that. Ohio State University, I saw where they raised $20 million overnight for NIL. Well, East Carolina, you know, they can't raise $20 million. And there's a whole bunch of programs that cannot do that. So once again, you're going to get another layering effect to the recruiting process that's going to have all kinds of ramifications on the scoreboard. And you're going to end up with about, you know, 18, 20 schools, you know, the usual suspects that will be able to withstand all of this.
0: That was former ECU coach, Steve Logan, teaching us about the game of football, Fantastic, That's young stuff. bucks here on Body Works Plus guest <laughs> hotline. Coach, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us and talking about ECU and the state of college football.
1: Thanks, Coach. Good to hear from me again. All
0: right. See you guys later. All right. I hope so. I hope we see him later. <laughs> this was fun. It was really fun to talk about. How about the star system? Asked about our age said he did remember you and would have called you a dummy if you accepted a scholarship to ECU instead of going to Florida.
1: Listen, man, I don't like to toot the horn that often. I was a high school All-American, so of course he remembered
0: me. Well, wait, you said you don't like to toot your yeah, horn that often? Yeah, I don't, but often? sometimes I I'm really sorry, really did you call yourself a QC icon? Is yeah, that I did. I was about to say. <laughs> I think that I've heard that horn plenty of times. All right, let's go mom, to mom. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more. We got plenty to get to here. Maybe we recap some of those comments, but we still have more ECU content coming up at 2 o'clock clock to continue team week hornet summer league panthers training camp storyline still lots to get to it's weston walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz
1: mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the mccrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, coming off a riveting interview from former East Carolina head coach Steve Logan that recruited me out of high school and then we were reminiscing during the break about our times against East Carolina because at Wake Forest, we didn't beat everybody, but we sure used to beat the hell out of East Carolina on a regular basis. That was Skip Holtz, though. That wasn't Coach
0: Logan. (laughs) That was Skip Holtz. That was not on Logan's
1: resume. And I was telling him about how we played against Chris Johnson and not knowing who he was. And in 2004, he had six carries for 96 yards and a touchdown against us, including one long touchdown run in which I I was on the sideline on a knee, and I said, who is that? That guy is pretty fast. So it was cool going down memory lane. And and I'll also say, too, about East Carolina, one of the great environments, very underrated environment to play football it's in. It's kind of what
0: they're known for, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know if they still do the Purple Haze thing, but I know that was the big thing for them with the Jimi Hendrix Purple Haze when they came out, and they would have the purple smoke and stuff like that. And their crowd was always raucous. Like, they, that was a place that you had to come in and be ready for the noise.
0: You had to bring the guerrilla warfare. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about look, it. Look, I'm telling you what, man. I That was totally going to grandpa's house and him telling you back the old days. That's what he was doing. Uh, how, how young are y'all guys? You know, right. Okay, well, let me tell you about the BCS, okay? Back in my day. When the BCS was in town, whew, it was tough to navigate that. Do you guys know about the star system? Three stars, four stars, (laughs) stuff like that? Yeah, that was fantastic. And the fact, I mean, he dropped a couple of fantastic uh, analogies for us. That was really good. People enjoyed it and want him to be a part of the rotation.
1: Yeah, man. And uh, let me tell you, when we went up there and beat him 31-17, you know, for my boy Corey Randolph, I just had to get my quarterback. Just a little bit of love, man. Back when cats weren't really doing a 300, 100 thing outside of maybe a Woodrow Dantzler, somebody like that, Joe Hamilton, my dog went 344 passing and 107 yards rushing, three TDR. You know Did you want
0: I'm to saying? give Ben Mock any love out there? No? Uh, not
1: really. <laughs> you know. That's, see, I know I'm going to get a real answer. I know I'm going to get a real answer. Yeah. And sometimes I'll put a, it out there. Ben was a cool dude, man, but he, he got. He got shown a lot of favoritism when they got him because at the time, I can't remember, I think he had the national high school record for passing yards uh, when we got him because he was a guy that, I mean, but their offense, they would throw it literally every play. If you are running back, you did nothing but block because they were going to throw it 65, 70 times a game, no lie, because his little brother ended up breaking that record after he did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a good dude, man.
0: Well, I I love this box score. We've done this before, but sometimes (laughs) it's real fun to just go back because you were talking about some of the ECU matchups. You said you would beat down ECU. And
1: really quick, Chris Johnson in that game, he had six for 96. The long was 86. I said 60. He went 86 yards. So, <laughs> when he was barely that. touching the football yeah, at that CJ2K. time.
0: Yeah, um, CJ2K. Wake Forest, you guys, you beat ECU 44-34 to on September seventeenth, two 2005. And you did a great job, I think. Now, it's not like you can go catch offensive linemen stats on the box <laughs> scores back in the day. But here are the rushing totals from that game, okay? Chris Barclay. Your starting running back, 25 attempts against ECU on that game. Yeah. 210 yards, four touchdowns. That's impressive enough. Yeah. Then Micah Andrews, he got 22 attempts, 142 yards on 22 attempts. Ben Mock, he had 10 rushing attempts. You guys ran the ball over 60 times with two of your running backs going for 140 yards or more. That game is nuts. That's all y'all did. 69 passing yards total is what Mock had in that game. All y'all did was run the football.
1: Well, people, uh, yeah, that was our thing. We were always top two or three in rushing, and in that game against East Carolina, the yards were just coming in chunks. They so, and that was because
0: stop. of you, because you were on the offense. No doubt about it. It was yeah. all me, you yeah. know? Chris Barclay, <laughs> nah, but people,
1: yeah, Guys used to hate playing against us because uh, they especially hated that we Cut uh a lot, so. Well, and
0: you're a self-admitted dirty player. Hey,
1: I'm. Mean, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm, I'm with the mess. You know what I'm saying? Especially if I can get it in between the whistles. If I can do it and the ref doesn't see it, I'm here for
0: it. I know how you are. You That's
1: know what, what you saying? try to do
0: here. You're dirty on the air too.
1: That's just how you roll. <laughs> so yeah, man. So those were fun times. Fun times, no doubt about it, man. So turning the page and talking about the Charlotte Hornets. We talked about this earlier. And uh, just Summer League basketball and some of the main storylines. We talked about the rookies and how well they performed. But uh, there are some veterans that definitely are leaving a lot to be desired. And mainly James Booknight. And this is a guy who coming in, he was another guy. Now, we can make the parallel. Nick Smith Jr., as far as coming in and the value that people thought that he had. And people were saying that if it weren't for the injuries, he would be a guy That was a high pick. But we could say the same thing about James Booknight. You remember that he was slotted to go as high as five. I remember in that draft they were saying that he was the best scorer in the draft and that the Hornets had gotten a steal with him and all the potential that he had. And three years later, here we sit. We have yet to see him cash in on that potential, man. So do you think that –
0: it's pretty much a wrap for James Booknight. I do. I just don't see a lot of minutes for him because remember, at the end of last season, what allowed him to get on the court was all of the injuries that the Charlotte Hornets suffered. It was bad. And so at the point, you're like, all right, we have no other option but to go get Booknight from the G League and let him play. It was like the last seven games of the regular season. That yeah. was it. So Booknight did enough for you to maybe raise an eyebrow and be like, all right. We're getting a little something here. We'll see what happens this offseason. We'll put him in summer league. Hopefully he can show something there. And with this being such a big summer for him, maybe he can hit the ground running. But summer league was always going to be important. And you didn't get a lot from him. That's just what happened in this last game. Only two field goal attempts. He came out firing a lot in the early going of this summer league session. Then you only get two field goal attempts and he missed both of them, both the three-point attempts, not really moving the basketball a ton. So you're not getting, even if you're not scoring, that was some of the saving grace for Brandon Miller, right? Trying to figure out how he could project to the regular season. Well, he's not hitting his shots, but he can still move the basketball. He can be still a good connector. You can throw him in a system and it doesn't really matter. But with Booknight, that's not anything that he's doing right now. He's not really helping you if he's not hitting buckets. And so that's still a problem. It's hard for me to say, oh, yeah, he can still be a part of the future when, man, there's so many different people at that position that I expect to take his minutes.
1: And so when you talk about the guys who could take his minutes, we've been talking about Nick Smith Jr. And if they keep Terry Rozier on the roster, the minutes in that backcourt are going to be hard to come by, uh, especially if they find a a capable backup for uh, LaMelo Ball. We know Dennis Smith Jr. has moved on. But it's going to be hard for those minutes because we don't even see Book Knight as a point guard anyway. But it looks like if there are minutes to be had, that just might be uh, where he is slotted. But just talking about the rookies and Brandon Miller and talking about Smith Jr., is there a spot to where you feel like any other rookie can crack the rotation outside of Brandon Miller? Uh, Do you see that?
0: I think it's going to be really tough for for Nick Smith Jr. to be the guy, too, because even with Amari Bailey doing what he's doing, you're really talking about Brandon Miller, who's going to get minutes. Yeah, He's going to no get run, about it. no question about it. Brandon Miller is going to come onto this team where Miles Bridges is actually coming back. I expect P.J. Washington back, whether it be on the qualifying offer, whether it be a compromise, long-term, whatever, but that's another person in the front court And even at that two spot, Wes, where you would expect Nick Smith Jr. to play, you're talking about Cody Martin coming back from injury. Hopefully he can stay healthy enough to give you some minutes there. So there's Cody Martin. You also have Terry Rogier starting at that spot alongside LaMelo, who's running one. Then you have Brandon Miller, who we've discussed maybe could even play some too. I wonder how often they'll go big and go with a 6'9 guy in the backcourt alongside LaMelo. Yeah. So there's three players already. Bryce McGowan's didn't have a good summer league session. But that's who you feel like Nick Smith Jr. is fighting with right now. I think there's a shot. I think maybe the shot making that NSJ demonstrated last night that might allow him to be some kind of spark plug off of the bench. Okay. We need a jolt of offense. We'll see what this Arkansas product can do, but it's still going to be tough. Brandon Miller is still the only guy I feel great about. Naji going back to Barcelona, probably even if he doesn't, Nick Richards will still be the backup and we'll see about Kai Jones. So ultimately, the only guy I feel good about saying he's going to get minutes as a first-year player, it all resides with Brandon Miller.
1: I agree with you uh, 100% because the Hornets are such a team laced with so many veterans. It's going to be hard to get minutes, and this is a Hornets team that wants to continue to ascend. They want to get to the playoffs. They don't want to be a play-in team any longer, and they did that two years ago. So they feel like if they're healthy, that maybe they can get back to that point and beyond. So when I look at guys that can make this roster and have an impact. Yeah, you look at Brandon Miller off top. He's the number two pick. That's a no brainer. Nick Smith Jr. is going to be interesting. I feel like in my heart of hearts he's going to be a Greensboro guy for the most part because I think the minutes are going to be hard to come by for him once the season gets going and I think they're going to want to get him the reps for him to learn and I feel the same way with Amari Bailey as well. Uh, So I think that those two guys are definitely going to be Greensboro guys and develop because the Hornets have a pretty good developmental
0: system. Well, the second round picks have been hitting pretty well. Yes. And even if they're not here, Dwayne Bacon and Mark Williams. Well, and, and some of these guys are getting contracts or at least they're coveted by other teams, which you know, that's a low bar. But if you get to second contract, that's Pretty impressive. Jalen McDaniels gets traded for a second round pick. I thought the return was actually low. It was lower than I thought, but now he signs with the Toronto Raptors. Somebody coveted enough, at least in the offseason. Devontae Graham gets a first round pick in return, even if it's lottery protected. Still impressive to get a first round pick in return. So this this Greensboro Swarm team, hopefully this is going to be able to do what they've done with some of the other second round picks. I have another question for you, impromptu, Wes, if you yes. want to improvise a little bit. okay. Got this question on Lockdown Hornets. and it was just asking how many points per game we expect Brandon Miller to score. And I went like 10, 12, something like that. That's what Doug Branson, he said 12. I said something around double digits. And then I started looking last year at some of the rookie totals that we got. Jabari Smith Jr., not a great rookie year. Lots of polarizing opinions. If you defended them, then it was all about how well it's rock. It's the Rockets. They have a bad system right now. Even if there's a lot of opportunity, you don't have much structure there because it's Jalen Green, it's Alperen Sengun, it's Usman Garuba, Ty, Ty Washington. All of them are like first and second year players. Yeah. Okay, not a lot of vets. And so Jabari Smith comes in, plays 30 minutes a game, all the opportunity in the world but scores like almost 13 points per game, but the efficiency wasn't good. His shooting wasn't good from deep. You go to Keegan Murray, who is on a playoff team with Sacramento, comes in, gives you 30 minutes a game, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not quite that much, but I think it was around 30. Yeah, Gives you 30 minutes a game, scores 12 points per game on 45% overall shooting and 41% three-point shooting on six attempts per game. My question is, With there being so many minutes allocated to some of the veterans on this squad, I don't know if Brandon's going to get 30. It's going to be too hard compared to the other guys that we're talking about. But 12 points per game means something totally different when you look at one guy in Jabari Smith and one guy in Keegan Murray. So now it's like, all right. Even if he doesn't go crazy scoring the basketball, there's just too many mouths to feed with some of these veterans coming back. Even if he doesn't go crazy, he can still have a good off-ball rookie season that could allow you to be ready for the future when P.J. might get traded or leave. Miles Bridges on the qualifying offer. Maybe he leaves an unrestricted free agency. So it's just kind of interesting to me trying to figure out what his role this year is going to be. I look at more, hey, even if it's nine points per game, maybe he doesn't get double digits. Just hit your shots when you have those opportunities, and I think everything else will take care of it. And I like the direction
1: you're going right there when you're talking in that 8-10 to range because as we have been talking about this entire segment, all of the miles there is to feed because when you look at the top rookie scores from last year, as you were talking about, but look at the teams that they played for and the situations. Paolo Benquero, he's the number one pick. In Orlando, ultimate green light. Of course, he's going to get 20. But Matherin, Indiana. Who does Indiana have of note like that? So anybody that comes in there and shows that they have scoring prowess, they're going to be able to get the basketball, do something with it. Then you go Detroit, OKC, Houston. Like, all of these are places to win. he oh, has got a lot of young guys. But, yeah, these are teams that these guys can come in and, hey, can you play? All right, well, get your shots up. Do what you need to do. And then there's Malachi Branham from the Spurs that averaged 10 points as well. So I think for Brandon Miller, it could get frustrating for him because I know he's going to see some of his peers putting up big numbers, especially when you talk about Scoot and Wimby, the guys drafted in front of and behind him because they're going to be in situations where they're dependent on to be the guy and have the ultimate green light. But for Brandon Miller, you know, he's in a situation playing with a lot of vets. So hopefully he uses his time wisely, is efficient when he does get those opportunities and then learn from those vets. So when he does get extended minutes, he makes the best
0: of it. Like 704 riding in, Anything under 15 per game is a disappointment. I totally disagree. Yeah, you got to look at the
1: situation.
0: 100%. I mean, 15, that's a lot, especially with this roster. If he hits that on efficient shooting, then, or efficient enough, right? And even... These are rookies. A lot of them come in extremely inefficient. It happens all across the board. So it doesn't mean that we have to say, oh, he's going to be this horrible player. But, man, 15, that's a pretty high goal to consider a disappointment. Anything under that? Yeah, I wouldn't set the bar that quite high.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. So we're going to continue the conversation on that, especially as – the season, and we get closer to that and see what Brandon Miller is going to do, man, because it's going to be very interesting how his rookie year turns out. Fitty, second flash of the day, let's get it. It's
0: all right to be a little fitty, a little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile.
3: Life goes on for a little fitty. Why? Well, guys, you know by now that Christopher Eubanks has run at Wimbledon. It did come to an end. He oh, lost no, that, that that final set 6-1. Carlos though, he has matched on into the semifinals, taking down, I forget, I don't know this dude's first name. His last name is Rune766464. Six, six, mm-hmm. four, four. So Coach Logan was talking about how the arms race in college football used to be facilities and stuff like that. We're gonna see we're seeing it now in the NFL with, with the stadium upgrades. Did y'all see the new video board that New England is rolling out as a part of the $250 million renovation project?
1: No, no I've it, I've yet to see it, but I'm gonna
0: look right now. Does it, it rival Jerry World at all?
3: It is twenty-two thousand two hundred and square feet, which is three hundred and seventy by sixty, and it features twenty million pixels in it. Also wow. behind the video board Is a rotating lighthouse.
0: Okay. That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. I'm looking I mean, at it right now. 20 million pixels, it sounds like a whole heck of a lot. I mean, that's got to be... I can see specks of dirt on
1: your jersey with that <laughs> kind of definition.
0: I just don't know exactly what to reference that to when we talk about other Jumbotrons, but it sounds awesome, man. I'm here for it. The yeah. better the Jumbotron, the better the experience.
3: Ted needs his money because, uh, I mean, I want... You a, give it to him. I want a 22,000 square foot video board, and I... Like, Can we just put a rotating like Bojangles Coliseum like venue just behind the video board? Cause like, what else? Like, what would they put? That'd be a Carolina staple behind a video board at Bank of America Stadium. Oh, that's a good question.
0: Um, it always goes back to the Bojangles, the Boberries. <laughs> Bring me the Boberries, yeah. Jumbotron. See, That's I was thinking
1: I like. something more. Uh, Cheerwine floats. Like what's on our tags, the first in flight, put a giant plane or something like oh, that. Oh, you want
0: historical facts. Yeah, yeah maybe I something like that. like
1: that. Rep the NC. Mm-hmm. But I'm also here for the Boberry or a giant Cajun filet on I top like the of the Lost Colony. as well.
0: Throw a Yeah.
1: Let's put that in there. Barbecue. We got a lot of options, man. So we're going to talk about those and more when we come back because we have Fiddy's favorites and his options favorite pies he will be talking about <laughs> so we've got that more this is the and Walker show sports radio 927 WFNZ McDonald's is not new to chicken
0: It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7, WFNZ. We're getting hype. We're about to rank pies because that's what we do on the Ah. new days. You know how we do. It's Pecan Pie Day. It's not March 14th. But it's still pecan pie day, and we're going to extrapolate that and put that forth. Pie rankings going to Fitty's favorites. Hit us, Fitty. What you got for us, number five? All right. First off, number five.
3: I do want to say the fact that you call it pecan pie. Mm-hmm. I heard you say this to Jeff, and I literally said outside the little walkway, I was like, I, I love you.
0: I'm not a pecan guy. Because
3: it's a pecan pie. Yeah, That's why I call
0: pecan it pecan. Pecan.
3: Yeah, because you know, if it's pecan, Classic. it's. I think it's like pee in a can put into a Pie where a pecan pie, I don't think about that, you know? So, uh, Uh, all
0: right, I didn't think about it that way, but all right, (laughs) go ahead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Number, Number five. I eat these. My mom all keeps these in the house all the time. Hopefully, this qualifies for a favorite pie. I wrote down oatmeal cream pies.
0: Ooh, they are fire. Nick Saban, that's what fuels him. Basically, the spinach to his Popeye. Oatmeal cream pies—he's eating them all the time. They are an elite little Debbie snack. A little dry. You gotta the, have a glass of milk. You gotta have a little something there. I'm, I'm with you. I think milk is perfect. Not my favorite Little Debbie snack, but I do love them. I'm okay with this being number five. I find no problems here. What about you, Wes? Are I'm you okay? not
1: an oatmeal cream pies guy. I remember I ate one uh, way back in the day, and I you know, got a little bit sick, but it's not uh, you know, I respect it. I respect it. It's great, but it's not my cup of tea.
3: Real quick, favorite Little Debbie snack. I'm a Swiss rolls guy. i there,
0: There's so many. Okay, you guys had, I, I needed to think about this a little bit more. You guys <laughs> knew about it immediately. Love mm-hmm. Cosmi- I'm Fat Walker. Co- Cosmic brownies come to mind. Swiss Mm. rolls are great. Fudge rounds. 25 cent at the Catawba Market down in Claremont. That's what I used to live off of. So those are my top three.
3: All right, Number four. Number four. This used to be my favorite pie as a kid, but as I've gotten older, it's moved down the list. I have apple pie. Number four. Not a
0: fan. I understand that it's a classic. I get it. It's just something that I never was a part of. Um, Apple pie. I'm not a big fruit guy. Not a big but yeah, that's amazing to me. And, and see, I I like I like banana flavor. So like banana and chocolate is a good flavor combo for me. Some it's just the texture of the fruit that I'm not with. So the the actual apple pieces in there, I can't do apple pie. I would have it off the list, but I respect it because it is a classic. What about you, Wes?
1: Um, I love apple pie. No question about it. It's one of my favorite pies there is. It's probably top three for me. Okay, Um, So, yeah, I I
0: have no qualms about this being in the top five. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We got some analysis for you on apple pie. Number three. Fitty, go. What you got? Number three.
3: Number three for me as a kid, I used to not really care for, and I don't know why, but as I've gotten older and more round, it's my second, of course, my third favorite pie to have at Thanksgiving. Good
0: old chocolate pie. Love it. 100%. Probably would be number one on my list. I've never had it in my life. So have you ever been to J&S or K&W cafeteria? I used
1: to go to Morrison's back in the day. I feel like I've been in K&W once or twice, but I know that Morrison's was very similar to this.
0: All right. We've been talking a lot about food, and so Fat Walker has been referenced a couple of times. Back in the, like, 8 to 12 range, something around there. We used to get our senior citizen on, go to JNS Cafeteria, where you would eat dinner, everybody would be there. They'd all be above 60, and it would be like 5.30, and everybody was eating dinner at 5 o'clock. But you could get a ton of food, and at the very end of the line, there would be a big old piece of chocolate pie. And it would be my <laughs> absolute favorite. would be number one on my list, but I'm not going to fight you too hard, Fitty. At least it is in the top okay, three. You are a big, sweet guy, man. I know what to get you for gifts. Uh, it's it's a problem, 100%. I will raise my hand high. Number hmm. two, what you got? Number two.
3: Number two, we go to the pie that is National Pecan Pie Day. It is pecan pie. It is, it's amazing. I I, I eat it with my pumpkin pie every year at Thanksgiving. Like I on the same plate, I take a bite of pumpkin, take a bite of, of pecan. It's a little Mel Kiperi. <sighs> Not quite Mel Kiperi, but it's, a little bit. And it's it I mean it's it's so good. I. I I told Maul the other day, I was like, you know, it's it's I need a pie. <laughs> so like, you know, just all right. you know, I was like, I'll dude, I'll wheel you in here, just sit it here, we'll make it, you
1: know, I, I need me one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've grown to like sweet pecans a lot. You notice I changed it up. I'm a, I'm gonna stick to my stuff, man. Pecan. Uh, mm-hmm. I like sweet pecans a lot. I've never had pecan pie. Uh, I feel like I ate it though this past Thanksgiving for the first time. But either way, <laughs> love it gonna have
0: more of it. i like that you said mama we're gonna wheel you in here so you can make me
3: pie." Like, okay. well sure, her leg is messed up so she can't stand a whole well, no it's
0: just like there's zero oh no we're not gonna take care of you you're making me pie i was like just the story you know what the other day i was like mama make me a pie so i wheeled her in the kitchen i mean that's a fantastic story Number one, Fitty. What's top of the
3: list? Number one. Number one. It's it's easily it's the best. It's it's pumpkin pie. There's there's a reason why Mel Kiper eats a whole pumpkin pie a day or whatever the hell it is that it's he claims to do. It is it is amazing. You know I have left Thanksgiving gatherings because there wasn't pumpkin pie at the dessert table. That cranberry sauce. If it's not there, I'm leaving. Wow. I mean, it is a very popular
1: pie, so, uh, you know, I can't knock this. This is on top of everybody's (laughs) list, or a lot of people's list, I should say. How much whipped cream are you putting on it? None. Zero?
0: Oh, that's bad.
1: You know Walker, sweet tooth male has to have a... uh,
0: Well, this is not just a me thing. I get it. I like my sweets. Vanilla ice cream is the best thing to eat it with. I'm Uh I'm with you, but, well, okay, now I am looking a lot more fat because I'm putting both on. All right? Like, I'm... (laughs)
3: How are you skinny with the way that you talk about food? Because I'm not skinny, and I talk about food like, oh, God. Uh, Whipped cream makes pumpkin pie so
0: much better. It's so much better, man. I put a lot on it, too. That I will say. Everybody puts on whipped cream, but maybe not as much as I do. For that, I'm willing to admit how fat I am in that regard.
3: Do you go to the refrigerator and just pull out the can and just... Take a shot of whipped cream every now and again. You
0: know, you know, yes, yes, I do. And especially when I was watching my weight a little bit more so. Well, and it's not even my weight, but back when I was watching my weight and I didn't want to just convert it, a great way to get your sweet tooth fix is have the spray can of Cool Whip or, cool Whip, yeah. or like Reese's. Pretty they'll, good ha- nutrition. they'll have flavored whipped cream. And there's really not many of that calories in it. And you get your sweet tooth fix. It is a great way to stay in shape. I am advocating for you to go with the spray can. It's a fantastic thing. That'll do it for the pie. Bitty favorite list. Tell us what you think. A lot of you are 704-570-9610. One more hour to go. We're going to bring it back to ECU. It's team week. We're going to dive deep into the defense alliteration for you on Weston Walker. Hmm. There's more. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thank you.